0: there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three S T E P S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started.
1: Oh, I'm still learning because there's times when I'm still like, I have never seen a quote like this. And I've been quoting for 17 years that has been, you know, X, Y, or Z, but I I think we just have to kind of roll with the punches.
0: Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafters' stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. Today's guest is Leisha Farnsworth. I'm your host Susan Smith, and I'm coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm, Lucy, and I spend lots of hours doing freehand, edge-to-edge quilting. And if you're not a quilter and those terms mean nothing to you, it's basically doodling on the surface of a quilt with a 50-pound writing utensil with needle and thread attached at high speed. And if you are a machine quilter, I invite you to tune in to the live and unscripted events that I host on my YouTube channel, also called Stitched by Susan. They're on the first and third Friday of every month. And they are usually one project from start to finish in real time. And they're streamed live, so they're interactive, meaning you can ask questions and get answers about a project while I'm working on it. So I invite you to join me there again the first and third Friday of every month. The quilting community, as I'm sure you already know, is so diverse, so colorful, and supportive. So I invite you to listen in as we meet a new quilter each week and hear their stories. Today's Pins and Needles is brought to you by The Will and Dave Show. Hi, I'm the Will Half of The Will and Dave Show, a short little podcast that myself and the eponymous Dave like to record talking about the things that really matter to us, whether that's social, political, or pop culture. Usually we don't see eye to eye, but more often than not we can find some common ground in there somewhere. And now back to Pins and Needles with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. Since my guest is a long-arm quilter, I thought it would be apropos to talk about the relationship between professional quilters and their customers. And for sure, it's important that there is a strong basis of trust in your relationship with each other. But I think a really important component is communication. Really specific and really clear communication is critical. So for example, if there are things that you definitely don't want to see in your quilt, like you don't like meandering, or you do like a lot of straight lines, or you have strong feelings for or against the use of variegated thread. All of these things communicated clearly and specifically between you will result in the best possible outcome and a quilt that you're both thrilled with. You know by now that I absolutely love my morning coffee. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash stitched by Susan. There, for the price of one delicious coffee, you are able to make a one time contribution or a monthly commitment if you so choose. Thank you so very, very much for your support. And maybe take a moment now to refill your own cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview. Leisha Farnsworth has been machine quilting for over 17 years. Many, many of her quilts were done completely freehand, but she now shares her skills and creativity by creating digital quilting designs. She's also created a set of rulers directly born of a need that she saw, as well as an online course and on-demand quilting classes. Lisha has some Leisha. excellent tips to share regarding building a business and brand and setting yourself up for long-term success. Let's welcome her now. Hi, Leisha, and welcome to the studio. So glad to have
1: you here. Thank you for the invitation.
0: I am really looking forward to this. I have followed your work as a long-arm quilter for quite a long time, but I know as with so many quilters, there are layers to your stories. So I'm looking forward to hearing them today. And maybe let's just start by how how you got started in quilting. Was this a family affair? Is this something someone introduced you to? How did that all come into play?
1: So I actually started quilting, um, making quilts with my mom and a group of women that we went to church with. There were six of us. We got together once a week and we, it was funny. We would knock on each other's doors and say, can I come play? You know, like a little kid does. Little play dates. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes we would work on the same quilts and most of the time we wouldn't. And, um, and it was just a lot of fun. So we started making all of these quilts and we were getting them quilted and you know how expensive that can be. Um, so my mom decided we're gonna get a long arm. And I thought that's kind of crazy. <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't want to ruin the quilts that I had worked so hard on because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and we didn't get a computerized machine. So it was all free motion. Um, we got the machine in the fall of 2003. We played with it a little bit and then moved for a year because my dad was in the military, um, and he got deployed to the Pentagon for a year. So it sat for a year and then we moved back here to Utah and I thought, okay, now I want to play with this machine. So, um, my mom taught me how to pin on the quilt and i think she kind of showed me how to stipple and then you know the rest is history you just have to play with it right
0: i i completely agree and i these days i teach quilting a fair bit and it is freehand as well and It's so true that that seems like such an unattainable skill when you watch someone who's a master at it zipping along on their quilt, right? But the truth Mm -hmm. is, it's exactly like learning handwriting. And every kindergartner and first grader does that successfully, right? So learning quilting is the same sequential learned skill. Did did you find it the same way? You just start doing it and you just get better and better and better.
1: Yes. One of the, I actually teach classes too. And one of the things I say is, practice, practice, practice. And I even remember in the beginning, we would go to my mom and I to a local quilt shop and look at the quilting on the quilts. And she would be like, you can do that. And I'd be like, no, I can't. (laughs) But she, her telling me that all the time and then me realizing when I'm quilting, it is just thread. If I don't love it, I can unpick it and that's what i would say to my client or my my students too is you know just remember it's it's practice it takes time if there's a part you don't like unpick it but in the course that i teach too i often say i don't unpick things because when you look back and take the whole cool off it looks incredible and nobody is going to look at all of the little imperfections
0: yeah, so I definitely, I definitely come down in that camp too of not unpicking very often because it is all part of the learning process, right? Again, that first grader analogy, you don't expect the first grader to keep going back and erasing and trying again and erasing and trying again. He just moves on and prints new things. I mean, quilting is mm-hmm. the same way. Your quilt today, will you do better six months down the road? Yes, you will. But that does not negate today's practice and the value of it and how warm the quilt is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, very yeah. true. Very true. So you mentioned that you were freehand in those early years. How long did you do that? And then kind of what made you decide to go into a, a digital or computerized type of quilting?
1: Um, I have been quilting, and I still quilt freehand, um, for 17 years now. Wow. And um, in... You must have started in was, toddlerhood, didn't you? Oh, I'm a little older than you think. <laughs> I'm I'm actually 40. So, you know, a lot of, I did start when I was 23, 24-ish. So it's um, a lot of years of experience, though, and a lot of uh, trial and error. That's how we learn best. Yes. I actually have never taken a quilting class. And, um, so I've just done a lot of practice and a lot of it actually is up here. I have found trying to figure out how to get in and out of things. It's a whole thought process. It's not just, you know, magically going to come through my fingers. (laughs) So I'm, I'm curious,
0: do you consider yourself an artist? Like, was that the framework that you came from or no?
1: I actually graduated in interior design and I, growing up, we did a lot of creative things with my mom. Um, We sewed at a young age. We did scrapbooking, that kind of thing. So she has always had a creative brain and, and found outlets for us to do that. And so there's times when I have thought, I don't know that I'm an artist, but then there's times just because it's different than maybe painting or, drawing, you know. Um, And even when I try and draw out what I can quilt, it looks very different because it's a a different motion. Um, Mm -hmm. Quilting is easier to me than drawing is.
0: (laughs) It it is to me too. And I hear a lot of quilters will say, you know, the key is doodling. And for myself personally, I have not found that I'm a doodler. I actually Quilt a lot better than I doodle, so I go straight to mm-hmm. that, but I think too, and see if you agree with this. I think that it's you know there is some level of of um, creativity that's in the drawing out of the design, but equally it's about things like scale and proportion, and it's about mm-hmm. being able to look ahead and judge distances and spacing. all of those things rank right up there, so the ability to draw is not the only ability you need that's not front and center in my opinion what do you think
1: I totally agree I think it's like the littlest part of it because every time when I'm quilting I am thinking ahead I'm thinking about how consistent the design is Um, unless I have variation like when I do pebbles I tend to do various different sizes to give me some more grace in that and because sometimes we have little spots that we can't do a you know, a quarter size pebble in. So I totally agree that it's it's the whole process and drawing is just a little part of it.
0: (laughs) I agree. And honestly, that's encouraging for people who say, well, I'm not an artist, therefore I can't freehand quilt. That's not a qualification. It really, really isn't.
1: Yeah, I totally think we need to practice, practice, practice. Even when I see a new design now, Watching another quilter quilt it out, I'm like, okay, how are they getting in and out of that design, that they're not, you know, blocking themselves off in a corner and then having to stop the thread and move it and and then have it not look like it's flowing very well. So, yes.
0: yeah, there are, I completely agree. There are so many aspects to making graceful and appealing quilting and knowing how to draw is a very, very small component of that whole process. And that's encouraging. It really is. So we we started talking about, I won't say graduating because it's not really leveling up, but it's changing directions into using um, digitized designs. Did your interest come in, in quilting that way? Or I know you design those types of designs now. Is that kind of why you got into it?
1: So I actually was freehanding a lot of designs and one of my friends, Abby Latimer, who I think she's done some custom quilting in the past, but now she strictly does computerized. She messaged me and said, would you digitize this freehand design? And I'm like, sure. Uh-huh. I don't know how to do that. And so I asked Natalia Bonner because I know she has done some I said, you know, what, what do you recommend? Where do I go from here? Because um, there is this interest. And so she directed me to Patricia Ritter at Urban Elements. And so I just emailed them and said, you know, I have, I am a free motion culture. I have these designs. What do you think? And they were like, yes, send us everything that you have. So that was in 2014. And I really, truly had no plans to ever get a computer. I just was going to keep doing my quilting. Um, and at that time I was quilting like crazy pretty much all day, every day, six days a week. And it was a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. keeping up with those deadlines. so one of the great things that these designs have provided me is that I don't have to work those crazy hours um, but after a while i I started using the laser light on the back of my gamel and and quilting off of the paper panographs um, and some of the designs that we had it they are hard to quilt that way and get them to look good so I Saved every penny and decided um in the end of twenty sixteen to add a statler to my gamel. And it's been nice. It's like having a personal assistant who mm-hmm. can do half of the quilting. <laughs> so just I, to clarify I still,
0: Can I clarify for our listeners who mm-hmm. maybe aren't as familiar with long arm machines? They come in different brands, much like cars mm-hmm. do, and then the computerized options kind of have a different name per brand. So for the, the mm-hmm. quilting machine that is a Gammel, their digitized or computerized um, system is called a Statler. And so, yeah, yes. you actually have a computer attached to your machine and it can direct the machine. And lest lest people think that's a cop-out, maybe give us some ideas about some of the skills that you need to learn in order to to use that system. Because it is an entire skill set, one which I do not have, by the way. <laughs>
1: It is a whole other aspect of quilting. When I first Mm -hmm. started um, computerized quilting and sometimes things were off, I was like, wow, what is going on here? Because as a free motion quilter, I knew that quilts shrunk when they got quilted, especially the more dense that they are. But I am quilting it as it's shrinking and it's all coming together and it's fine. So when I added a computer and things were off, I was like, what's going on? And by off, you mean like
0: in terms of lining up when you do a a mm -hmm. new row, lining up with the previous row,
1: that kind of thing? Yes. So the designs were off and not maybe lining up uh, vertically because a panograph on a or a quilting design, they're the same thing on a computerized system takes one motif and then repeats it several mm. times to fill the boundary in which you're going to quilt and um so if they're if they are designs that are supposed to touch from row to row, then it's even more noticeable so i've just had to learn how to outsmart the machine so that it still looks good. <laughs>
0: So so and there's a couple levels of learning then. One is with the digital design itself and what kind of mm-hmm. editing you can do there. But another, I think, is really learning um, how to handle the quilt and the layers and how to um, manipulate them even. Is that too strong a word? To keep no. things smooth and flat and even. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. And I bet you've learned them all.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm still learning because there's times when I'm still like, I have never seen a quilt like this. And I've been quilting for 17 years that has done, you know, X, Y, or Z. But I I think we just have to kind of roll with the punches and deal with it in the moment. I also have a group of friends that I turn to, like, have you dealt with this? What mm-hmm. do you do? And, and they do the same thing. Um, so we just, it's great to have a network of other quilters or other people in the industry you work in. That um, you can rely on and ask those questions because someone's probably dealt with the very same thing, right?
0: I'm sure that's true. That's very valuable. and and probably even it's valuable to have people who are using the same brand of machine that you are, at least in some cases. Mm-hmm. some some principles would apply no matter what machine, but some will be machine specific, and that would be really helpful. I can see that. So in your designing then of, of digital designs, has this become kind of a larger portion of your, of your quilting business? Or are you still, you know, is the, the creative aspect of the quilting still where your focus is?
1: Um, I actually have made more the last few years in digital designs in this passive income than I have in quilting. Um, 2020 actually was, um, slowed my quilting down a lot which was surprising because some of my friends got slammed so I think there's a lot of people that they either had tons of work or didn't and you know some in between so relying on that passive income of you know something I've created once that can just be out there I don't have to do much other than promote it um it's just available and it's It's been a huge blessing to make up the difference and the lack that I've had in the quilting.
0: That's a good definition of, of passive income, where you do the work once so that you can get the return on it over and over again in the future. So in terms of your digital designs, that means you do the work of digitizing and production and maybe producing diagrams or tutorials perhaps to go with it once and then you put it out in the world and as other quilters purchase that becomes your your uh, recurring income right yes so do you have multiple things like that in your business you know we were kind of chatting because I'm in business too, quilting is my hobby and my love, but also my business. And I'm always fascinated by how others do this and how they build a, almost a portfolio of ways to make income. What other kind of
1: streams do you have? So I started with the designs and I, I also do some of my own designs, but at the same time, I was trying to figure out um, some things that I could do to expand. So I'm not just, you know, in that one thing. Mm -hmm. And there was many years ago, someone said to me in the quilting industry, you have to pick one thing and only do one thing. Um, Mm -hmm. and I don't agree with that. I totally think that, you know, we should never listen to somebody that wants to put us in a box. Um, So one of the things that I developed because I saw a need was a set of circle rulers. I couldn't find a set that I loved for custom quilting and free motion quilting. And so I um, talked with a friend and she made a connection for me. So it's really about the people you know, right? Um, And I was able to create a set of six... um, Circle rulers, and there's actually two size circles in each ruler. So they're everything I've wanted in a circle ruler for so long, and I'm just so excited that they're available.
0: I think you hit on a huge key there just in passing, so I'm going to highlight it, which is you saw a need. And I think that's really, really key if you're in business for yourself is that you recognize where there are needs or gaps and you produce the thing, whether it's the class or the ruler or the paper pantograph that, that addresses that need. That's where, that's where quilters come then for help and they, and they count on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, and all of my passive income, I didn't create at the same time because that would have been overwhelming I started designing in 2014. I did my rulers in 2018. I um, released my quilting at free motion course last year. So it's like there've been building blocks along the way. I've taken time to develop the things if there's something I needed to learn or think about because I really wanna put out a professional product. I don't wanna just hurry and make something Mm-hmm. And have it be out there. I want it to be something that i've I've used and that I've applied my expertise over the years to it so that I know it's a product that another quilter would want to use.
0: Mm-hmm. That's another really great point is is this um Uh, step-by-step process and you know for for someone like you who's been quilting for quite a lot of years we're seeing that in action right you you see different needs in different years and um, circumstances like the pandemic you know there's all kinds of reasons that you pivot that you might add or change the direction in which you're going and I think that's really key too to building a solid business that has a firm foundation.
1: Yes I've also learned that I could create all of these things and they could be great and very useful and fill the need but if i don't share them over and over and over nobody knows that they're there so i've uh-huh. learned with my with marketing my designs especially i am sharing them all the time on mm-hmm. social media and and now that we have the ability to do links and stories on Instagram and Facebook is also a great tool as well as Pinterest. Um, Now that we have all of those things available to us, sharing all the time has really, really helped me build the following I have to help my passive income be consistent. Good key. And I mean, it's really the
0: truth. There are so many resources out there. It's um, it's difficult for people sometimes to find you in the sea of voices, right? So what you're kind of saying is you need to speak up and speak up fairly often for people to even know mm-hmm. that, that you're there or what you have to offer. Yeah, I can see that.
1: Yeah. We need to remember the expertise and experience that we have is valuable. We have learned things that is going to help somebody else who's at the beginning of doing the same exact thing that that we are. Even if it's in a little, you know, different of a way, they can still learn and, and be blessed by what we have to offer.
0: So true. Um, I'm an Amy Porterfield fan. Shout out to Amy. And one of her tidbits that she repeats often is that in order to teach someone, you just need a 10% advantage in knowledge right so you just need to be further in your journey and then you've got something you can teach you don't necessarily have to be the expert or know everything I mean whoever can say they do that anyways in a field Mm -hmm. but you just need to have a little be one step further and then share with those who are coming behind you and that's you know that's the whole principle of mentoring and it certainly is a principle of generosity too it's just that idea of sharing what you have learned we appreciate it yes
1: yeah I actually have some friends in the quilting industry who've been quilting probably about as long as I have. And there's times we still have questions and we go to each other and ask. Because, like you said, we still don't know everything. But, um, you know, being able to rely on the community that you have and um have built and those friendships, it's so valuable.
0: It is. And I think... That keeps the creativity level in our industry high is the fact that we do see new things. So, for example, it seems like it was only a couple of years ago that we started seeing cotton and linen paired together in fabrics that were used in making a quilt. That brought a whole new element into quilting, right? Quilting on those linen fabrics is different. So, and now we're seeing a lot of digitally printed cloth, which responds differently to quilting. So there's always these new things coming out and there's reasons to learn new techniques. And, and I love that because it means our industry keeps changing and flexing and evolving and new things are
1: always on the horizon. I think that's great. Yes. It's people thinking outside the box, you know, breaking the norm and Back when I started quilting, it was very traditional. It was cross-hatching, feathers, stippling, and now it's anything goes, and I love it. Mm-hmm.
0: I Do you love going to quilting shows? I love going just for the purpose of scoping out people's quilting. How about you?
1: Yes, we we actually have had some in Utah. There's some that I still need to go to, but I would love to go to QuiltCon especially and be able to see all of the amazing quilts and of course the quilting that's really what I'm looking at right
0: (laughs) me too me too and I have never been to quilt con either but hopefully in the near future because there's just really nothing like seeing it in person pictures are wonderful pictures have come a long way but there's nothing like seeing the real thing in person I wonder if you have any stories that you'd like to share about your years of quilting. I'm sure you've quilted many hundreds of quilts. What are some of the most memorable ones? Can be uh, memorable in a good way or even memorable in a
1: disastrous way? We'd love to hear some stories. (laughs) Oh, that's a good question. I think, um, you know, looking back over the years, it's always so great for a client to see a quilt especially when they drop it off, they say they don't love it and then they pick it up and they're like, Oh, I love my quilt. (laughs) To me, that is so rewarding because I feel like I did my job and highlighted the quilt in the way that it needed to be. Um, It is kind of challenging sometimes when people have a certain vision and about something and I think it could look a little bit better a different way or, you know, they just want quilting in the ditch. Recently, I had a client who had got a quilt at a um, thrift store, so she didn't piece it herself and she just wanted quilting in the ditch. And I showed her a couple of other things and we ended up doing a a crosshatch over the whole thing and it turned out beautiful. And so I think, um, you know, it's really great to rely on our expertise to know like maybe this is the direction that that we should go.
0: When we're quilting for other people, we have to be part salesmen a little bit because there's just this way of, you know, from your experience, you know this is going to suit or this is not or this is going to play it up or variegated thread is a big one for me. There's so many people that are like, just use variegated thread. It'll pull all the fabrics together. And I don't personally agree, but to find a way to present your views and why you think so and kind of talk them into what you know will look better is part of the skill, isn't it?
1: Yes. Yes. It's part of building that customer base friendship
0: mm-hmm. and
1: or work-client relationship that, um, yeah, where they can trust what you, your experience and what you know, right? And trust is huge
0: because they are bringing us treasures that have hours and hours and hours invested into them. And I completely respect that. And, you know, always the client's wishes are what you ultimately respect, but you want to see the best mm-hmm. possible result too. Yes. Okay. So be honest. Are there any disastrous stories? Any, I don't know, that you wish you had done differently or just something that was incredibly difficult and
1: challenging? Oh, yes. All the time <laughs> dealing with minky. Sometimes I I used to have a client who would buy scraps of minky and just sew them together and not take into consideration they have different stretches and that kind of thing. And I can
0: only that was imagine.
1: a lot. Yeah, that was earlier on when I was like not quite understanding everything that minky does. Um, so those, those experiences, just like any of the experiences teach me too. okay, that is not going to work that way. And then I was able to then tell her that for the next one that she did. So um, yeah, there's, there's little things here and there that, that really have, you know, been hiccups in the road, but at the same time, it's not something that's ever made me feel like, okay, I'm done. I'm walking away from this because I messed up. You know, most people are very gracious if, if something happens and um, whether it's oil spilling or a needle breaking and poking a hole in a quilt, you know, those kind of things happen. They do Um, happen. And unfortunately it's kind of out of our hands. You know, we just have to do our best to remedy the situation.
0: So I do have to ask because the needle breaking and making the hole in the quilt has happened to me. I want to know how you fixed yours.
1: <laughs> Thankfully it was not. Um, so what happened is the computer was quilting and I was right by the machine. So I heard it. And that's one thing that I've learned with the computerized machine. Like I can hear if the tension is off. Mm-hmm. You just can tell. You're so attuned um, to it. Yeah. I've just listened to it. It's- you know, for so long. The quilt <laughs> and, <whisperer>. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, it was, I was quilting a quilt that had very big bulky seams. And all of a sudden I heard a crunch, crunch, crunch. And so I just went over to the machine and stopped it. And, um, thankfully the holes were very, very little. And I just told my client, um, She was like, Oh, don't worry about it. I know my seams are so bulky. But it just like made me very leery of ever walking away from my machine when it's when the computer's running because I don't know the machine's gonna keep going. It doesn't know that it needs to stop because the needle broke. So it's it's taught me to pay attention in more detail to, you know, different things instead of just assuming everything's gonna be great every time. Right.
0: And your point of being attuned to the machine is a really, really good one. You know, like anything else that you do frequently and often, you know, whether it's a baker and they know the feel of their bread dough when it's kneaded correctly, or in our case, a machine, you do you with repeated use, you just get really finely attuned to the sounds and the, for me, because I quote from the front of my machine almost always, it's the look of the thread as it's feeding through, you know, the little pigtail hooks. And if that has a funny little bobble in it that it shouldn't, you know, that's my cue. So those little things just come with experience. There's no sort of shortcut to them other than just doing it and doing it and doing it. So it's a whole nother level to practice, 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 practice being observant too.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think having grace with ourselves that no quilt is perfect. No quilt that comes into our studios is truly perfect, right? So the quilting is not going to be exactly perfect, even with a computer. It's just not. And we have to kind of let that go and and remember it's art and art is not perfect, right? Mm-hmm.
0: And also it is handmade and that's part of the attraction,
1: mm-hmm.
0: honestly. Yeah. And
1: I think it adds to the personality of it, right? Mm-hmm. You're so right.
0: Yeah. Well, this has been fun getting a little inside look at um, how your creative journey has taken shape. I think you've had more pivots than many of us have. A lot of people repeat the same things year after year. And so it's really interesting to see how you've grown. Um, is there anything really fun and exciting on the horizon that we'd like to know about?
1: Um, I quilted for Kim Dill, and she has a book coming out. It's a gorgeous quilt, and it was an absolute joy to work with her. Um, and then another client has something in a magazine. Oh, that's fun! So that's yeah, really I'm fun. excited for those things to release for sure. And then I think I think I just always. I was talking to some friends about this I think I just want to continue to develop what I've already created promote those on a continuous basis and see what I can do to build those up because Mm -hmm. I feel like I've I've um with the classes that's an aspect of my quilting with the rulers that's another aspect and with the designs that's another one So I kind of feel like it's Mm well-rounded and now I just want to continue to build what I already have done. I love that. I love that.
0: Well, we will be sure to put some links in the show notes for the book, hopefully with Kim deal and obviously the places where our listeners can find you and can see your work. Leisha. I sure appreciate you taking the time to share with me today, but before we Mm -hmm. go, I'm getting, I'm getting ahead of myself here and saying goodbye. Before we go, do you have a little gem or nugget that you'd like to leave with our listeners about crafting or about life? Doesn't have to be about the craft of quilting.
1: I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Um, Don't let anyone ever tell you, you can't do something or you should only do one thing because that limits us. And if I would have listened to that, I wouldn't be where I am today. And so you don't necessarily have to do everything all at once, but look at what you can do to expand and, you know, step out a little bit more and develop your brand even, even more. Mm -hmm.
0: And, you know, that might have been their experiences that they could only do one thing or wanted only to do one thing. But that doesn't mean it's everyone's experience, right? Yeah. Good. Great words. Well, thanks so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. That's a wrap. Thank you for tuning into the show. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on the listening app of your choice? And please, please do share this episode with your friends that you think would enjoy it. I'd love to hear from listeners who'd like to nominate a crafter with a story to tell. If you know such a person, or you are one, email me at info at com. So until next time... May your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted.